Hello and welcome to Limitless. I'm Jonathan Gruber, and I want to tell you why this new podcast, Limitless, is not an IT podcast. Being digital is about strategy and organization, of course, but truth be told, it's mostly about the people. So the people on our show are digital leaders that know what really matters when it comes to a digital transformation and the hurdles you need to overcome to really transform. And we also talk to a top athlete who knows what it takes to overcome hurdles, both literal and figurative. And today's show is called Talking Transformation. From Anderson MacGyver, this is Limitless. My guest is Vim Berkers. Vim is the CEO of All Inc., a major contractor for big Dutch telecom providers and a taker of big decisions. Hello, Vim. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you for having me here. And my expert co-host is Rick Beimolt. He's a consultant and one of the founders of our parent, Anderson MacGyver. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Jonathan. Did you guys actually know each other? You guys know each other, right? Yeah, we know each other very well. Yeah, yeah for f- quite a few years now. Yeah. So, um, and why is that? I think we work together. So, Vim uh, is uh, Link is a customer of ours since the uh, beginning of 2015. So, uh, we're supporting Vim's transformation journey. So, like five years, you guys know yeah. each other already. Okay. Yeah. Now, Vim, tell me about Link. What makes it different and special? Oh, well, do you have some hours? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if we are special. Uh, we think that we are doing the right thing. Uh, All Inc. is a company founded in 1962, which is almost 60 years now uh, of existence in the Netherlands. And the last five years, we are also working abroad, uh, Germany, Belgium, Denmark, and nowadays also in Czechia. Um, and we are doing uh, our work in uh, the telecom uh, branch. And we are focusing and specialized on telecom infrastructure. Infrastructure. So that means when you say infrastructure these days, you mean? What I mean is everything you need to uh, communicate. So if you're communicating right, right now, then we, probably we have been there. On the sixth day, he created light. <laughs> and on the uh, fifth day, we were there to create internet. Yeah. <laughs> so communication uh, in the broad way, uh, indoor, outdoor, uh, mobile, fixed, uh, fiber, copper, uh, everything we do. Right. Yeah. So, Vim, uh, we always ask our guests to bring a sound that is meaningful to them. You brought a sound? Yeah. Let's have a listen. So, any idea what that is, Rick? Uh, a duck in the water or something like that? <laughs> it's, it's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the sound of chili boiling. <laughs> It's no. not though, is it? No, what is no, it? No, yeah. both wrong. No, it's it's a typical sound of a boat. It's uh, in a tacking maneuver, and uh, I am. And what uh, is tacking exactly? I, I think I know what this is, but I'm not a sailor. So what uh, is it exactly tacking? Every sailor knows you cannot sail directly into the wind, so you have to uh, make a maneuver uh, up the wind uh, by uh, approximately uh, angles of 45 percent. And every time you go with a bow through the wind uh, to go the other direction, that's what we call checking. Okay, yeah. and, and I think, well, we, I know because we kind of asked you this before you came in, uh, letting in the secrets behind the scenes. Uh, Vim, you described the sound as the perfect tack. Now, what does that mean? The perfect tack, I'm a helmsman, uh, so I'm, I'm steering the boat, and I'm on a race boat, a sailing race boat with five other people. And the tacking maneuver is a, a very complicated one because uh, if you want to, uh, to win a, 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 the race, you have to make a very smooth uh, tacking uh, maneuver. 
Uh, we do about 30 to 40 tacking maneuvers each race. So each, ra each moment is very important. And um, what's crucial uh, is for me is that if you go with the bow through the wind, the, the, the sails are flapping. In the moment you are through the wind, the, the wind is catching on the sails again. Within a split second, the sails are catching the wind and flop, you hear them stay in the right position. And at that moment, I feel like an helmsman, uh, the speed of the boat, the, the boat is getting stable and it's getting up speed. Be even before the instruments are telling me that we are gaining speed, the sails are telling me that we are doing the right thing. So they tell me if the maneuver was smooth uh, and good. Tell you? Yeah, that, that's what they tell me. Why not? By, by the sound of the flap, then you, what you hear in the end of the, the, uh. the, the sound is they flap and then in the end, flop, the right. Yeah, there it is. Now I can hear it. Now it makes sense to me. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so what does sailing and tacking have to do with a meaningful moment in your digital transformation that forced you to tack into the wind, as it were? In the basis, there's no uh, comparison, but, uh, but I see that uh, the transformation to a digital organization is a change. And uh, every change is, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's with resistance of the people. It, there is, there is conflicts, there is robbiness. Um, it's the same on the boat with the tacking maneuver. The moment that the bow is in the wind, you hear the, the sails flapping and, and uh, it's unstable. Uh, and that's also with the change in the organization. But the moment the management gets its grip on the organization, and puts the direction for the new future. Uh, and the people know it and they are going to work, they're going into a flow. And that's the moment, that's the, the, when the flipping of the sails stop, I say, with sailing. But also in the organization, you, you feel the, the, the team is going into a flow. So uh, the complaining is gone, everybody is becoming happy, the production is going sky high, the customer is happy. That's great. You know? And that moment, I compare it with sailing. It's, it's, it's great to, uh, to experience that. As a helmsman on the sailboat, you're getting up speed, and also as the CEO of the company when the organization goes into a flow. Can I, it's kind of a strange question, but judging by the gestures and your hand gestures and your facial expression, can you actually feel when this happens in yeah. the organization? Yeah, when you walk around, and, and, you, and, and of course these days with COVID, it's very uh, difficult, but if you are walking around and, and you are... Uh, getting a cup of coffee uh, with, the, uh, with the machine, you hear where the people are talking about. And if they are talking about uh, the feedback they get from a client or uh, the production that was on time or the, uh, the problem we fixed uh, with, if, with creativity, then you know the team is in the flow. They are doing the right thing. Can you, can you give me an example of a time this happened? Uh, at the time, we had a big problem with our client of, uh, client of ours. We had a big project and there was a uh, very hard deadline to finish it. And uh, we struggled for some months to, 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 yeah, to get the project going. And at one point, uh, we focused on steering uh, together with Anders MacIver. We, we created the template for it. And then the production came, uh, came up and the organization went, went in the flow. It was, uh, we gained trust, you know what I mean? Uh, the organization believed that we could do it. Uh, although the, the time was very, very short, but the production went up, the team went in flow, and there were no, there weren't problems. You know? Everyone was solving the problem for another one. So do, that, do you remember this, Rick? You were, you were there for this, what he was talking about? You don't have to name the client. 
No, yeah, so it's, a, it's a journey that we did together. And what I like is uh, because bef before you start sailing, you have to set direction and to create speed. And sometimes, uh, as depending on the wind uh, and how you sail, uh, that's I suppose, is uh, when is the moment that you create speed, create speed and get that feeling. So, uh, yeah, we experienced that together. Working hard and then enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. about to say, how does it make you feel when something like that happens? Yeah, of course. Uh, every project uh, that we do is uh, it's, it's two-way thinking. It's, it's trust, building trust, building, uh, working together, working relationship together. And uh, I understand that. Feels but it's the moment you see it work. Yeah, that feels me proud. That's really feel feel, makes me makes me proud. Yeah. Yeah. So from one sport to another, we have a personal message to you from another great sportsman, the former world champion short track skating, Jeroen Otter, and nowadays he's the national coach of the Dutch team as well. Here's Jeroen. Hi, Wim. I would like to start with a funny fact, a fact that seems almost impossible. But as we all know, things are impossible until somebody does it. One of the most prestigious sporting events and the oldest international competition in the world is the America's Cup. These racing yachts are sleek and incredibly fast. And it might seem strange, but these boats can travel almost three times the speed of the prevailing wind. Three times. The question is, how can you go three times faster than the wind that propels you forward? And what can we learn from these facts? Facts that seem impossible. It's like a well-trained speed skater who skates faster in the curve than on a straightaway. Yes, you can skate faster in the curve than a straightaway. Strange, isn't it? Programs in sports are often built around technical support that's available. I remember the introduction of the analog speedometers. Coaches told the athletes to bike at a certain pace, followed by the heart rate monitors, biggest cigarette packs. Suddenly, we had to bike at a certain heart rate. Nowadays, we measure and build our training programs with power output in mind. Question, of course, what's next? Speed, heart rate, and even lactate measurements are not in favor anymore and less and less used. Top athletes need to put effort in the digital world that's available to them. Not doing so and relying on past training programs will finally cost them a spot on the team. It's not about how good you are, it's about how gold you want to become. Our daily training program is based on monitoring what we do constantly. One of my employees actually works full-time in providing data, which I can use to personalize the training programs for the short-track speed skaters. When I signed my contract with the KNSB 10 years ago, I had one chance to get the sport across to the Dutch public. And I strongly believed in, if you do what you did, you're gonna get what you got. And no corporate will stay afloat with this approach. My staff and I are always on the move to create new ideas. And I like to know which steps you with Alan take to get from an idea to the plug and play design. What's the road that you take? How do you share ambition made within your management team to all your employees and specialists in the business? How do you share that? What do you do to have a great performance today and tomorrow to be the top of your play field in the future? What makes it that the decisions you make today are sustainable for the years to come? I would say have a great podcast, Wim. Thank you. That was Jeroen uh, Alter with a personal message to you, Wim. I mean... And yeah, let's unpack this a little bit because there was a yeah. lot in there, wasn't there? I think the main question that I took from that listening to it was, what's the road that you take to make decisions sustainable for years to come? 
To answer that question, I have to go back some years. Uh, five years ago, we, we won uh, a very big contract uh, from one of our clients. Uh, it, it was huge, like an, a game changer for us. And um, one of the aspects of the contract was that we uh, kept the contract, but we committed ourselves to a year-on-a-year year, um, reduce of the cost. Uh, normally, that means it's going um, uh, off of our margin. And we said, okay, we are going to do this because we believe in the future. But what we want to do is to protect our margin, but still decrease the cost for our customer because that was one of the aspects of the contract. And the answer for that is uh, innovation and digitization. Because uh, the same as what Jeroen said about uh, the America's Cup, um, the way, why can they uh, uh, race faster than three times the wind? If you think about it, it's not possible, but, but they do. Because they use innovation. That's the reason because uh, why they can do that. And we said, okay, um, of course our people said, we use excavators for digging trenches and we cannot uh, dig faster than fast. Only, and that's the answer, if you use innovation. Uh, of course, the, the excavator is not uh, able to dig faster than fast. Uh, what we can do is make the production per hour higher to use innovation. Uh, what's the innovation of that? It's uh, digitization. If we can put information to the excavator to make the excavator smart, just not to the people who are using it, but if we can make the excavator smart, then we can produce higher production per hour. And that way we can protect our own margin, but also lower cost for our customer. And what we said is, okay, if we want to be here on the long run, and that's the reason of our company, to be here uh, within the, another 50 years, we have to uh, fulfill uh, value added for our customer. And uh, if we can't do that, they won't work with us. And we have a market that is typically uh, of very few clients. In, in the Netherlands, we have five or six clients. That's it. That, that's the market in the Netherlands. So if you want to be here on the long run, you have to be able to produce every year added value to our customer. And so we have to think about tomorrow and even tomorrow after tomorrow, how are we going to do it? And we are using innovation to get the cost lower in our supply chain and also using digitization to fulfill the promise for the future. Well, it sounds to me also like you're saying, uh, we don't have that many clients, we can't afford to lose a client, so this is forcing us into a position where we have to constantly innovate to stay many, many steps ahead of, I don't know, the client's expectation and also the competition. Is this, is this what you're saying? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Right. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Rick? I mean, you know Vim and Alink pretty well. Are there similarities in the way that Vim and Jeroen, who we just heard, approach their work? Yeah, I don't know if you drive three times faster than the wind. I don't know wind, but uh, you go pretty <laughs> fast. Uh, when the customer, because the, the, the market that uh, All Inc. is in is the telco market, so it's, uh, it's commodity. Uh, it's becoming more cheaper and cheaper. It needs to be more efficient, and that was the big challenge that uh, All Inc. had. And uh, I think uh, what you said, innovation is an important thing to stay ahead, but also fix the basics, huh? so standardize the processes, get insight into your data, learn from it, and then innovate. And uh, exactly. that's also what Jeroen said, huh? trust from the data and learn from the data and improve yourself every day. So I see a lot of similarities that uh, what Jeroen said. 
Yeah, and and the project that you guys were working on, if you could just, because what I'd like to to move to at this point is kind of the moment, uh, Rick, where uh, Vim knocked on your door and came to you, and I'd like to hear the story that led to that. So why don't you start off, Vim, with saying what project were you working on and what made you think, well, this is when I need to bring somebody in to help us out. That was the winning of the contract I just mentioned before, and uh, we realized that we have to improve on our information, on the digitalization of the information in the in the in the chain, in the supply chain, and we realized that we couldn't do it by our own. So we were looking for a company well, to help what us. What made you think, oh, we can't do this on our own? Uh, we we are a very traditional uh, branch, and we are not having the people in our uh, organization to do that. So we need to to get knowledge from outside. And uh, we looked for a company to, to help us, and, and then we came to uh, Anderson MacIver. And together we started this program, and we used their um, method with the operating model Canvas. And it helped us to create a vision about our future in a digital way. And what exactly was Vim looking for? Can what? you explain it to me? Yeah, <laughs> th- th- I think I th- yeah, the big, th- what I said the biggest challenge is was to how to make the organization more efficient with data. And uh, what we look into this operating model canvas is that we uh, looked at all the different departments and business units that were available within uh, uh, Olink. And we noticed that they are doing all kind of the same activities, but that was not standardized in a proper way and also not supported by IT in the same way. So uh, we defined the future state of the whole information technology environment, the landscape of, of Olink together, and then said, okay, let's improve that. And uh, it was also a big decision was made because if you want to change the whole IT environment of your of the core of your company, I think it's, you need some guts to do that, and also uh, stay, take the consequences of that decision. What do you mean? Yeah, so the, 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 you, you change the organization, you change people, how they work, how they traditionally uh, are used to work. And uh, it also it costs a lot of money, by the way, also uh, selecting a standard application that we selected. So I, I still remember the point that we were in an, uh, an off, off-site location together and that we, uh, we did a lot of exploration with, uh, I think, a lot of people in the room, 20 people, and then we went outside together with one of your directors. And I still can recall the moment that you decided to do it and that uh, yeah. you, it was in your head, you, you make a decision, okay, let's go for it. And that was, I think, a very uh, big decision. And uh, now I think uh, you have the consequences are very positive and maybe you go fa- five times faster than the wind now. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you could actually see his head going back and forth and weighing it, uh, the strengths and the consequences and the yeses and the noes. Like, could you actually see that happening in his head? Yeah, he was really, uh, I think it took you, I think, half an hour silent uh, in, in, in the hallway. And then, uh, then you made the decision and you came back in the room and you said, okay, let's do it. Maybe this is personal, but can I ask you what exactly, what was it that made you decide? What was that one thing where you thought to yourself, you know what, let's do it? The, the main question I was uh, asking myself was, uh, can I uh, do this to the people in our company? Because I, I, I realized that if you are going forward to this, I will ask a lot of the people uh, by doing their uh, jobs, but also this transformation to the future. But what, what, what do you mean by do this to them? What do you mean? Because, because they are uh, had to work very hard to make this transformation work. So we are putting a lot of on their shoulders. And in the end, I decided if I don't do it, then we are going to lose our position in the market and that with that our t- uh, future. So and that was the moment I looked at uh, uh, Rick and I said, okay, wait, I don't have any uh, choice, uh, really, but, and we are going to do it. 
Uh, we believe in the future we have, and we believe in the answers which are on the table, innovation and digitalization. With the help of MacArthur, we trusted a lot of them, uh, so we decided to do it. Was it was it safe to say? And you tell me if I'm overstating this, but was this like an all or nothing? Was this like an all or nothing moment for your company? Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you look uh, over 50 years, look back, the most did a very important milestone in our. Uh, in our journey to the future. Yeah, absolutely. And was there pushback when you finally decided to go ahead and do this? Oh, a lot, yeah. All the books are, are written about changes in organization and the, the pushback you have, uh, it was there on the table. What was the biggest challenge, you think? The biggest challenge was uh, to convince the people that the, they have to work uh, the other way. Uh, just like the America's Cup, they are uh, sailing uh, three times the wind. Uh, before that, it wasn't possible. So they are telling me, Wim, it's, it's not possible what you want. Till you see it, till you uh, experience it. And then we believed it. Well, so. What do you say to people who say, it's not Wim, it's not possible? What we do is to, to take them on a journey what we have to, uh, where we have to go. You know, um, To make people build a boat, you have to uh, wish them to, to go to the sea. You, know? you have to, let, the, you have to uh, let them see the sea. You have to uh, experience their fun to be on a boat. And they are going to build a boat, you know? And that's the same over here. Uh, I tell them where we are going and what it means to our organization when we are uh, reaching that. And of course, the people have to uh, take it. And when they take it, they believe it, and then they go. So I guess the question is, and I think you just explained it, but I don't think I quite understood it. How did you bring them to the sea? (laughs) Uh, Storytelling. I'm just telling them over and over again what our vision is, what we want to do, what our position is, and what our customers need from us. And uh, that we don't bring it on the table on the old-fashioned way. So if we do not fulfill it on the other way, then our future is gone. And um, then we tell them how we think we have to do it and how we are going to reach our goals. And at one moment, they will all uh, get it. And that's, that's the moment you see it. Eh? That's the, the typical... The penny dropping. The penny dropping, yeah. Is it true that at that time, a lot of your workers had never even used a computer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So how did you deal with that? Uh, sometimes it, it's uh, nice to have uh, uh, innovations from other uh, branches. And um, it's difficult for us, but some people, to let them use a computer or a laptop because they don't understand it, don't, they don't like it, they don't adopt it. Uh, and then the, the, the iPad came, the tablet. And it was uh, instinctive, it was, uh, yeah, it was intuitive. Easy to use, intuitive, it was easy to use. And that was the moment that some people in our organization said, ah, this is it. And uh, the funny story is that they, later on they come to me and said, I can now Skype with my uh, grandchildren. Thank you very much. While working. While working, no, 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 no. But with the tools we provided them. So they saw another opportunity and uh, it was great to see. Yeah. It affected their life, of course, in other ways yeah. beyond the yeah. work. That's what you're saying. Um, how do you handle people who look at your digital solutions and just think to themselves, we have no idea how to implement this. We don't know what to do with this. Are there still people who are, have no clue what this digital solution is? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we just, we just actually just... Uh, but don't people have iPhones or uh, other kind of devices at their homes? Are, are you saying to me, Jonathan, that's a ridiculous everybody, question. That every, question is so 2015, yes, Jonathan. Everybody knows what a digital <laughs> solution is. Even my, my father and mother who are over the 70 years uses digital solutions. So. You, you say this, Rick, and yeah. yet... 
I keep finding myself making uh, podcasts with companies like your own uh, talking about digital transformations and the things you have to do to make them happen. So I'm going to have to yeah, push set, back at you but that's and set, say no. That's, that's setting up connections, <laughs> and that's in the area of, of him. <laughs> So, are you, well, no, but in all seriousness, are you saying maybe that used to happen, but it doesn't happen so much anymore? No, maybe, maybe I make it a little bit ridiculous, but I, you have to tell people that so the digital is everywhere. So you have to show them that they're already using digital technologies, and that's my answer to that question. Uh, because there is, uh, there, you can't stop it. So everybody is using it already, and you better go with the flow, uh, uh, or you are an, uh, out of job in the future. Right. And, and by the way, speaking of, of, of 2015, this, the, when you guys originally worked together, uh, that, act, that process actually started in 2015. W where are you now? now? The first phase we have uh, completed. Uh, so we have now our modern uh, software platform. And now we are into the phase two and uh, exploring the new technologies to use, uh, like uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, so mixed reality. Um, and uh, we, we are creating new business models. So we are on par on the uh, existing business, uh, what we say, and now we are using it for new business model for the future. Are you guys working on something that people would find really surprising and, yeah. and, and shocking and new? And, <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, of course I cannot tell about that because we have some of that ideas, uh, but it's all about digitalization in the process. And um, if you compare to uh, the care uh, branch, eh, where nurses uh, don't have time to take care of their uh, patients because they have to do all that administration. We, we, we also have that phenomenon in our business. Uh, our people are less and less doing their really job, uh, like crunch time we call that, uh, because they have to do administration. And uh, this technology, this the, this the new digitalization helps us to uh, regain time for crunching. Um, and uh, that's, that's something that's going to be new, yeah. So your, your job is, or what you're hoping to do, is create a system by which there's less administration, or at least people spend less time yeah. on administration and doing the job. There's no, no administration. No administration. Administration is a failure cost, we see it. So we are elim eliminating all the administration by doing it by uh, automation. I already liked you at the start of the show, Vim. I like you so much more now. <laughs> okay. No administration. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Follow us on so our social media and you'll find out. Yeah. Right. From Anderson MacGyver, this is Limitless. Uh, believe it or not, we're actually, I mean, this is felt, feels like it's gone really fast, but uh, we're actually kind of coming to the end of the show already. And at the end of the show, what I would like to establish from this first podcast to every podcast coming when I come to the end of the show is the show is called Limitless. And so I want you to think big. I want you to think beyond your own company. And I want you to think about where IT and digitalization are taking us as a business community, but even as a society. So where is it coming? I'll start with you, Rick. Okay, interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's obvious uh, to say when we say that, and that everything and everyone is connected and will be more connected. And that's an opportunity, but also a risk. Uh, but if we go well, I think we can improve the whole society by informing each other and informing a whole value change, uh, supply chains in the world. For me, the uh, most important thing is that data, uh, which is in every organization available, uh, should be 
more uh, make transparent to the to the surroundings and to the to the to the people. And you, sir, Vim, where do you see the world or business or whatever uh, transforming? Uh, besides the transformation without the company we already talked about, I think that digitalization will help us to, to decrease our carbon footprint dramatically in the world. So it's saving our planet in the end. And our company is driving every day 40,000 kilometers. Uh, so practically we are riding around the, the earth one time a day. And with uh, the new technology, we are able to decrease it dramatically. So in the end, it will help save our planet, I believe. That's a, that's a fantastic answer. Rick? This is what I do with my Anderson MacGyver. I'm, again, setting another trend, first podcast. Every Anderson MacGyver co-host who comes on is the person who has to say what the one big takeaway from the show is. What's the one big takeaway oh. for you? <laughs> for me, uh, the topic of the, show, of the show today, transformation, uh, will be uh, be prepared to renovate your core and to be ready for the future and innovate. That will be, that's my takeaway of this show. And that is it for this first episode of Limitless. Today's guests were Vim Berkers, CEO of Alink, and Rick Beimold, consultant and founder of Anderson MacGyver. Gentlemen, thank you very much. You, thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. It was nice. Thank you. And of course, our podcast coach in chief, skating champ, and Dutch national short track team coach, Jeroen Otter. Limitless is a podcast from Anderson MacGyver. To learn more, go to our website, andersonmacgyver.com, andersonmacgyver.com. Don't forget to share and rate our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Gruber. This was Limitless, and may your day be without limits. <laughs>